Hallelujah. We speak Jesus. Jesus, our eyes are on you this morning. Hallelujah. We speak Jesus over this place this morning. I believe that... Um, I believe that the Lord gave me a word as we were singing this song and the other song. I, we keep talking about... Holy Spirit, burn like a fire. Burn like a fire. Well, this morning... We see what the fires of the enemy can do. The devil brings destruction. And in case some of you don't know where our youth were meeting over in the corner building, it, uh, it caught on fire this morning. And um, to my knowledge, we lost everything that we had stored in that building. So it seems like there's a loss. But as we were singing this morning, we were singing, burn like a fire. Holy Spirit, burn. Burn like a fire. So I'm just declaring this morning that what the devil meant for evil to bring destruction, the Spirit of God comes into this place and he begins to burn like a fire of revival in this place. And what the devil meant for evil is going to, he's going to be so mad that he did that. Because our God cannot be defeated. And I'm going to tell you the first minute that I heard what was happening, I made this declaration. And I know how powerful it is. And I know we as a church must make this declaration. I said... This is going to turn around for our good. That's my declaration, and I want that to be your declaration this morning. What the devil tries to do always backfires on him when we stand in faith. And when we don't get discouraged, and we don't let him depress us, I'm going to tell you, it's going to turn around for our good. You believe that? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 There's two kinds of fires. There's a destructive kind, and there's the kind that purifies us. And I know what kind this one is. We're already feeling the fires of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say something to you. This is our youth pastors. And if, in case you don't know, so it's hit them the hardest. But I want to tell you something. This is going to turn around for your good. The struggles that you might have had in the youth department is turning around. In Jesus' name. The fire that the devil destroyed what you had built up in the natural, those fires are going to ignite in the young people. And the young people are going to spread that fire. 
and what you have desired the most in your heart for the young people of this congregation and this city is going to come to pass. I say it in Jesus' name, and I believe it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise your Lord, hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. <clears throat> As I woke up uh, this morning and was uh, faced the news uh, of one more trial, you know, I just thought, yay! The devil must be scared, like Eugene said. <clears throat> he heard what we've been saying, that we're going to have an outpouring and a visitation in this place. And um, he's going to try to stop it. But let me tell you, God is unstoppable. And I just sense like... Um, Several scriptures, I mean, I, I just had scripture after scripture that came to my mind. And uh, I thought, you know, I think I'm going to have to change my sermon this morning. So before I share anything, because like I said, I don't know for sure what the Holy Spirit wants this morning. When we as a church face something, we need to all be together saying the same thing, believing the same thing. And we've gone through a lot as a church in this last year. I mean, it has been probably, um, to me, and I'm sure it was to you, for the one, the head of this church that had been here for 40, almost 45 years, to move on to heaven, was a blow. But you know, the Holy Spirit was so faithful. He was so faithful to carry us through. He kept our ship upright, and we were able to get through the troubled waters. But we're not just satisfied getting through trials. We want to flourish and experience the glory of God on the other side, and that's what he's promised. So, Holy Spirit, I, I don't know exactly all that you want to share this morning. I've got two sermons here, and you just... Just tell me which one and show me how to speak into the situations that we're facing. Our dependency is upon you, Holy Spirit. And I believe that you will give me utterance this morning from the very heart of God. And it will come forth unhindered in Jesus' name. The very first thing that verse that came to my mind was 1 Peter 4.12 when I, uh, I heard about the fire this morning. So uh, I think this probably sums a lot of it up that we're going to be believing. Um, Peter, you know, Peter experienced a lot of things in his life. Uh, he went through some trials and, and uh, he understood what it was like to be tested. So when you read the, the book of Peter, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you're going you're gonna to hear a man that's experienced at how to get through some things. Not only just things the devil threw at him, but things, failures that he felt in his own life. But he made this statement, Beloved, do not be amazed and, okay, and bewildered, 
at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality as though something strange and unusual and alien to you and your position were befalling you. Can you go on to the next one? I don't think I put that down. But, uh, but in as much as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, what does he tell us to do? Rejoice so that. So he's saying if you have the fiery trials, you need to know that they're inevitable. Now we experienced a literal fiery trial this morning. But uh, he says, don't think it's strange that this is happening to you. But insofar as you're sharing Christ's sufferings, now, the sufferings that Christ suffered was from the devil and from persecution of, of people. It wasn't sickness, disease, infirmity, nothing like that. We are in this world, and there is some sufferings that we go through in this world. He says, think it not strange, but to rejoice. Now, I don't know how many of you rejoiced the minute that you heard the news. But um, that's what he says to do. So that, because there is a reward on the other side. So that when his glory, full of radiance and splendor, is revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph exultantly. Now, on the other side of every trial, according to this, if we do what he says to do, that means that we don't uh, get in depression. We don't get a woe is me attitude. We, would you just leave that up there, please? Uh, we don't, we do something about our attitude. And he says this, rejoice. How can you rejoice? How can you rejoice in the middle of a trial? You know, I've used this illustration so many times that you've got it memorized, but you know, it is such a powerful time in my life in October when I had that car wreck. God totally protected me inside the, the interior. There was not, I didn't move in my seat, four and a half dozen eggs, in my car, there was not one cracked egg inside the car. But my car, my car was totaled. When I stepped out of that car, and everybody was running and said, Are you all right? Are you all right? I said, yes, I'm all right. The very first thing I said out of my mouth was this. This is going to turn around for my good. And you know what? It did. Because that happened on Friday. On Monday, I had a brand new car paid for. One that I had been wanting anyway. And uh, I never had to walk anywhere. God did a miracle. Now, I don't believe that it's just because of that I am who I am. Not at all. The devil listens to what comes out of your mouth when trials come. 
God listens to what comes out of your mouth when trials come. And depending on what comes out of your mouth is the one that's going to get the glory. And according to this, we know who's going to get the glory out of all of this. I'm going to tell you, God is going to get the glory. We don't have to see it to know it. We have to read it to know it. We have to see what God has said to know it. And now we know it. Now, I want to look at um, Romans, the, Romans the 8th chapter, um, the 28th verse. Be assured and know that God being a partner in their labor. Now, I want to stop right there. There are some conditions to what we're going to get ready to read. One of the things that we're going to read is, are we partners with God? That's something we need to find out. Are we partners with God and is, are he, is he a partner with us in our labors? I can say a hearty amen. We are working. This is not my church. This is not necessarily your church. It's our church under God. So we are working in partnership with God in this ministry. That's why it get, it's kind of hard for me to get upset when something ha happens because I'm thinking, it's really not my problem. It's God's problem. It's his church. <clears throat> it's on his shoulders. Early on, after pastor passed away, I had to learn to tap into the unforced rhythms of grace. God's unforced rhythms of grace. That's his ability to do in me what I can't do on my own. So once I really, and, and you know, I still have to struggle to stay in that area. But when you understand that you are operating only by the grace of God. I mean, he's the one that's going to work through you to do what he wants you to do for him. You might want to write that down. He's the one that will work through you to enable you to do what you need to do for him. It's his ability in us. And so it says, be assured to know that God be a partner in their labor. Then all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good. I'm going to stop right there because people think they have this mindset. Well, everything that happens comes from God and therefore, uh, you know, it's God's plan. Do you know the fire over there was not God's plan? If it is killing Stealing or destroying, it is not God's plan. That is what the devil does. John 10.10 10 says that God or Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly. But Satan comes, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So here it says, uh, go back to that uh, what we were looking at before, please, in Romans. 
Romans 8. Okay? So, it says here, all things work together and are fitting into a plan. So, everything the devil brings to try to destroy us, if we take the faith of God, what the Word of God says, apply it and do what the Word of God says, then we get God's plan, not the devil's plan. And when we get God's plan, it includes abundant life. So what the devil steals, we will get more in return. Know that. I don't know what all he stole this morning. I'm pretty sure it was a sound system. Uh, what the youth had done is, you know, we sold our youth building back here, and so we got all, everything out of it that we wanted to keep and moved it over to the 502 building that we were renting. So what was in that building was what we wanted to keep. And guess what? We don't get to keep it. So you know what? There's something better. Better sound system, better everything that the youth had wanted to keep, we're going to get it back. Bigger, better, more uh, up-to-date, whatever you want to say, we're going to get it. So it's fitting into a plan, what? For good. Woo-hoo. To, uh, to and for those. Now, here's a qualification. That love God and are called according to his design and purpose. See, this scripture is not for everybody. A lot of people quote it. But it's not for everybody. It's for those that are in partner with God, working with him. For those who love God and are called according to his design and his purpose. Now listen, every one of us are called according to his design and purpose. The question is, are we partnering with God in relationship to what he's called us to do? I like, uh, just going to quickly turn to Romans 8, because this is a powerful chapter here. Uh, If we back up to a few verses before this verse, It just says, um, verse 26 says, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid, bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men Know what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will, and then we are assured. This is, it goes on into the verse that we just was looking at. So basically, if you take this all in context, it's talking about praying in partnership with God. We should be people of prayer. And if we want things to turn out for our good, it's good to pre, pre, 
pray. That's not easy to say. Pre-pray so that when those things the devil sends our way comes, then out of our mouth we have the right thing to say. I don't think I've ever thought about pre-praying before. I've actually never said it. You can tell I haven't practiced it. But, uh, but I, I, I'm remembering that car wreck. I pre-prayed. I mean, it was just probably 10 minutes before I had the wreck that I was praying Psalms 91. I'm in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, etc., etc. No evil will befall me. The angels will bear me up lest I dash my foot or dash my car against another car. Just incidentally, if you haven't heard the story, it wasn't my fault. Somebody pulled out in front of me. I don't know where he materialized from, but, but looking back, I had pre-prayed. I had been working in partnership with God. See, his word, he has given us his word so that we can know how to pray and what to pray. And if we don't know everything that we need to pray about, then he's given to us the Holy Spirit to help us to pray. When we don't know how to pray or what to pray for as we ought, we pray in the Spirit. And as we pray in the Spirit, we are, according to this, we're, we're talking, we're praying the will of God, and we're praying mysteries unto God. God's got a plan, and we are cooperating with God's plan as we pre-pray about things. I mean, we really, I mean, the devil doesn't really have a chance if we're obedient to God. He really doesn't. We've got the edge. We've got everything we need to be victorious no matter what the devil plans to bring into our lives. And so we don't have to be afraid. Uh, look at um, 2 Corinthians 4, verse, starting in verse 8. This is Paul's response. Paul didn't have it really easy. I think you know that, you know, he, I don't know if it's because he was, um, he had planted so many bad seeds before he got born again. You know, he really persecuted people. Then he got born again. And I mean, people came against him every direction. He had so many things come against him. And so he begins to just uh, write it down. Uh, in this particular portion of scripture. And he says, We are hedged in and pressed on every side. We're troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped and not or crushed. Listen, we suffer embarrassment and we're perplexed and I'm unable to find a way out, but I just like the way he says it. You know, I, this has happened, but. This has happened, but. He says, but we are not driven to despair. Go on. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard driven, but 
We're not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered. So that. See, there's always a so that. So that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by and in our bodies or in the natural realm. So that. We go through things. So, so that, so that God's life can flow through us. Does God intend for us to go through all this stuff? I don't believe it's sent from God. He knows, though, that we are in a spiritual battle. And there's skirmishes. But he can always cause us to triumph in Jesus Christ. See, the sad part of it is people go through a trial and they stay there. They don't do what the Bible says to do in the midst of a trial. Is it easy to do what the Bible says to do in the midst of a trial? Capital N, capital O. No. It is not easy. Look at James, the first chapter. Okay, get ready to get some instructions for what we're going to do today and the, the tomorrows that's coming. Consider it wholly joyful. What? Wholly, completely joyful, my brethren. When you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith. Now it's proving, see the trials on God's side is to prove that you have faith. On the devil's side it's to destroy your faith. So that the proving of your faith will bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work. So that. Here's another so that. So that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking what? In nothing. Lacking in nothing. When you get to the so that, when you get to that place, you can start looking around because you're not going to lack anything. Could we get that in... Um, in the TPT, please, the Passion Translation. I don't think I told her this, but uh, starting in, in verse 2, James 1, verse 2. Just give her a minute. She's good. Okay. My fellow believers, 
when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Just keep that up there just a second. Is that the time that you really want to feel joyful? When you're battling some difficulties? I'm not going to have a show of hands, but how many of you do that? How many of you do that? Do you know that in the midst of your greatest difficulties, your, your uh, emotions can be weeping, but there can be joy in your heart? I experienced that whenever Pastor uh, took his last breath. And I was not prepared for it. We'd been married for almost 60 years. And um, he'd been pastor of this church for 40, over 44 years. And the future looked very bleak right then. But let me tell you what I, and, and people that were around me will, will confirm this. The one of the first things I said was, devil, you're going to be so sorry you did this. And I said, this is going to turn out for our good. How? I had no idea. I had no idea. And throughout that morning period, I experienced the difference between my fleshly emotions and the joy of the Lord. And you know, the joy of the Lord never one time left. But, oh, some of those days were hard. They were hard to live through. But through it all, I had some so that. So that. That I could learn to glorify God in the midst of a storm. So that I could realize that there is a grace that goes way beyond our natural grace and our natural ability. I learned that God is faithful. He is so faithful to do what he said he would do if we do what he tells us to do. So I'm going to reread that. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Go to the next verse now. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. Go to the next one. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Is that a great promise or what? But it goes back to what is your response to difficulties? What is your response when the devil sticks his foot in your, uh, in your door? What is your response? 
You know what the joy is for? To deal with your emotions. To deal, to help you to be stable even in the midst of every trial that you face. We've got an awesome God. He's more powerful than anything the devil could do. The Bible tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So devil, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to stop us. That's what Paul said. He said, you know, you send all this stuff, it's not going to stop me, but I'm going to get back up. But, yeah, you know, you may stop us, you may send a storm to try to destroy me, but God delivered us. We got on this island. Perfect. Every one of us were saved. But then a viper came out and bit him. A very deadly viper. But he shook it off in the fire and there was no harm. So uh, Luke 10 is, is coming up to me right now. Um, I know our overhead person here is probably going crazy this morning. Not crazy. That's a bad confession. I won't say that. She, stay, she does very well. Luke 10, 19. <clears throat> Actually, I'm going to back up to 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan falling like a lightning flash from heaven. Then he said, Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. Everything that the devil tries to do can backfire on him. He can get a black eye. It depends on your response to the difficulty. And I think that's what God wants us to know this morning. Our response to what happens to us and the difficulties. And we, we haven't seen anything yet. We're just starting to see some of those th so that's the glory of God. We're going to start seeing more of it. More and more and more. In this church and in our lives. And so... Um, I want to look, uh, and I feel like this is, this is the way I want to end it this morning. Um, two scriptures. Uh, Romans, I didn't give this to the overhead, so Martha, thank you for keeping up. But Romans 8, we're back at Romans 8. 
uh, starting in um, verse 37. We're going to go through 39. Yet, <clears throat> amend all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt. This is Paul talking. You know, he's the one that talked about all the sufferings and all the things that came his way. He said, I'm persuaded beyond doubt. I am sure. Now listen, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor fires. I added that. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing that the devil does interferes with God's love for us. And if he loves us, how much more will he give us all things? And he does love us. And we know that nothing that's happened in our lives, in the life of this church, has separated us from the love of God. I know that. Nothing that he's done, the devil's tried to do to me has ever separated me from the love of God. I just get feeling it more and more and more and more and more and more all the time. So now I want to end with Isaiah 61. Starting in verse 1, and this is talking about Jesus. Now we ended our praise service this morning and our worship time with speak Jesus. It's all about Jesus and what he went through so that you and I could have access to everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's through Christ Jesus. And so here in Isaiah 61, it's a prophecy in regard to Jesus. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year for his favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. That's what we know. That's what we need. To grant consolation and joy to those that mourn in Zion. To give them a garland and a diadem of beauty instead of ashes. So there. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy burden and failing spirit that they may be oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord. Why? So he will be glorified. We are going to glorify God in this place. And uh, 